Hello, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome again to another podcast episode on Talk Architecture. I am your host, Naziati Muhammad Yaakob. Today's topic, um, we'll be touching on a topic that is um, done in Season 1, Episode 10, June 26, 2021, entitled Architecture Education and Inclusivity, Can a Blind Person Be an Architect? Inspired by uh, a TED Talk by Chris Downey, which I posted um, and shared uh, the TED Talk. And when I was listening to what Chris Downey, a blind architect, described his journey to work, and at the end he explained briefly how to design if one is blind, I like to quote what he said um, he said that uh, it is all about the system of learning to work with all these other senses, other than your sight, obviously, in ways that we would always think that you couldn't do that without sight, but there's a methodology to it. So it isn't the philosophy, it's just an awareness of your capacity to organize your environment in a completely different way through sound, through touch, through smell. So you have all these other senses besides sight, which is hearing, touching, smell, and taste. And of course, uh, he did not mention taste. Um, then smell. He talked about the restaurant and how that orientated him when he was uh, approaching the restaurant in his discussion uh, because of the smell. But he recognizes that the main is the touching and hearing or the sense of acoustics in a room. And he talked about uh, using a printed um, embossed drawings so that he could actually almost with each um, with the tip of his finger he could almost imagining going into the space so through touch he can imagine the space and even how it sounds like so when you talk about materials it's not only um, color is more than that now, I got inspired by what he said, also by um, the previous references that I've mentioned before in the podcast, earlier podcast, on sensory design. And um, making sense of it all, you have at one side the user and you have at one side the designer. If the designer is also um, is a person who uses other senses, I mean, if a person is not a disabled person but train themselves to using other senses, 
that's one thing that's possible, just like design with empathy. The, I, uh, when we did training uh, with uh, architects on universal design um, and uh, introducing the understanding of barriers and understanding of disability and the concept of disability, one of the things that um, we asked the participant to do is simulation exercise, which is, which is the relationship of a human being with the, the building. And it's almost always to do with a physical a sense or moving about. We haven't really thought about this in a sensorial experience way. When we do blindfolding, um, which is the loss of sight, and we take someone to a new environment, um, and of course there's a fear of knocking down things and falling over. That is uh, something that uh, need to be looked at properly because when if you your objective is to make someone use their other senses besides this uh, sense of sight these this mean that um, the way you set up the conditions for them to utilize all these other senses will relieve them of the fear so there could be another approach and training uh, designers who are normally able-bodied and have all their senses anyway. That's another way. That's one way. What Chris Downey was asking or, or, or um, um, suggesting is that one should engage a blind architect to help design. That's what he he mentioned. And now uh, there's so, so many effects so many interesting things um, about that you can you can um, you can deal with from this um, discussion. One other thing that that one of the first thing that I like to talk about here is um, can I uh, do a training course in architecture for a blind person, meaning that. The person is already blind before they go into the architecture course. That is something else. You know, when you teach architecture, you you assume that, you know, in, in the application form, this is what happens, obviously, in certain countries, um, you're blind, you can't do architecture, you can't see how can you do architecture, yeah? So, but... Let's have a challenge where a blind person can be taught architecture. And would that inform us how we perceive one thing? That blind person would need to be able to practice architecture at the end of the day to actually, with all the tools, of course, with all the support like the embossed printed paper and uh, a um, an environment where there is support for that person to to learn architecture, obviously, and giving all the tools and equipment. So, will that person be able to practice architecture? So, we know that uh, there are people who were trained in architecture, um, and 
and they got blind after or during architecture training and they became, um, they just practice architecture, obviously, and such as Chris Downey. Um, so you can, you can find out about his situation, how he came to be blind and, and his situation in his uh, TED Talk um, series. But yeah, I, I, we did try uh, in our course before there was an accessibility course where um, non-architects and well, there were not many architects who joined this course, but non-architects from Asia and Pacific, ASEAN region came and there was a, a two blind, uh, one was not so blind, one was vision impaired. So they, they place the information right up to to their eyes and read it. But one participant, a lady from Laos or Cambodia, I'm not sure which one, she was kind of lost when we had this session on reading building plans. And we devised a scale ruler that is tactile and we introduced the understanding about scale using scale. Definitely, this is nothing to do with digital, but digital will come later. And this is it's to do with basics of what is scale, what is um, representation, what is um, the idea of space, what, it, you know, this is very basic, obviously, um, because she's she was unable to read the plans. The plans obviously need to be embossed, printed, so that she can enjoy it more. Or we could create one that is embossed manually for her to understand about the the, the principle of uh, scale. Now, yeah, it is a big challenge to, to do a training course to teach blind people to be architects or designers. Um, and I think there are a lot of stuff there which would help even non-disabled uh, persons to be more interested in architecture, to, to look at the different training tools or ways in which one could learn architecture. So that is one topic of it, on its own from this main topic of um, originally um, architecture education and inclusivity, can a blind person be an architect, you know? Um, when we asked that question, I, I gave uh, reasons that a blind person can be an architect based on um, the case of the uh, train, um, ASEAN tra lady from um, Laos or Cambodia. And, and uh, through that experience that we, we, we wanted her to understand scale, but I think it could have been better done and added with Chris Downey's input, um, if we look at the different modules of uh, training someone to be an architectural designer, um, we know that uh, in our mind we can form 
and uh, we we think about the idea in our mind like the architectural concept and we transfer it into paper onto paper and um how a person who is blind can transfer that into paper could could be could go into areas of digitalization where you speak it out and the drawing will be done through what you want how many dimensions or you you type it in obviously you type it in the, the obvious dimensions and and what comes out could be printed and in an embossed way but that would be a, that would be the 3D how are you going to emboss the 3D it would be 3D printing so um you can't say no to someone wanting to study architecture um but whether you're prepared to teach them or create an environment that they could um succeed and be an architect starting from being uh, before um the course they were they were blind right and um they are blind and and this this is open up a lot of things so okay we'll put it down there about trying to teach a blind person to be an architect that was based on the first uh, the episode ember 10 season 1 now with well, other points that interests me about the issue of sensory design and what chris chris downey said organizing uh, our environment in a completely different way through sound through touch and through smell so um you're already an architect and um and uh, or you are an architect who's not disabled so how do you be want to be more empathetic how do you want to design the sensorial experience how do you want to design um spaces that can be communicate with all users that can include participant from participation from all users besides the usual standards and compliance that we find you know like the height of the seat the um handrails the height of the handrails the reachability usability and all the principles of universal design besides all that could we you know that's the meeting of the user and the designer and actually coming out with solutions but if there is no the there is the user is not there and the designer will have, need to empathize how would they um a designer um organize the environment using sound touch and smell you know case studies uh of buildings when uh you know simulation exercise when we blindfold ourselves and going through buildings how sensitive we are to smell and touch and and sound yeah could architecture be talking to us or communicating to us uh apart from visually visibly apart from that 
how can architecture communicate through the to the user in terms of the all these factors by touching architecture uh, this this shows to me um, linking function and aesthetics definitely of course and there is this area which we call assistive device now when chris downey was using his white cane it is like his fingers or an aid to help him orientate or get thing do things around so in a way we need some assistive device for us to use the building i remembered um in museums or in art galleries um in the uk um there was this uh, handheld device that when that could link to the product or oh, sorry the display that that one goes through the space when one would encounter different uh, displays and the audio description would be uh, from the audio uh, the, uh, from the device that will speak or narrate about the thing that is on display for example so this is an assistive device um our our smartphones are assistive device our canes our spectacles you know and there was this david Ingle, eagleman talking about the vest as a um interface uh substitute um communication device in a way addition either a substitute or addition to the to compensate or to 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 enable someone to 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 understand right so that was for a deaf person that he guessed uh, what is happening uh, what is the, the the information um through the sensors in the vest that he wore uh when somebody communicate with him so i mean this all these uh, ideas are very exciting and like what chris downey said the potential he, he was mentioning about the potential in in organizing um our environment through sound touch and smell um apart from sight for for example um so uh, why i'm talking about assistive device because when we think about architecture we only think about build the what we build you know we, we think we we sort of compartmentalize things like um obviously architecture is just a, a space volume and details where you come upon just say a public uh, lobby a uh, public buildings lobby or uh, offices or or a restaurant and then after which you leave that building to go to um to transit out of the building to go to a car parking area and then you take your car and drive off for example so we all often think about um a simplistic notion or idea of how things are done when we do architecture we haven't explored um this 
going around, navigating, finding our way, mobilizing or mobility, mobility or accessibility. Um, these are the themes and factors and how we go about in, in what we do, activities that we do normally. We, of course, you know, there is the home environment and, and there are a lot of um, technology on smart home and and we've seen, the, we've seen those videos where these devices can can uh, save us time and even robots can even substitute as a companion, for example. Now, yeah, I, I was thinking about that as well, about those robots. There was, the, um, there was a documentary um, that I saw regarding this matter that goes into psychology and that goes into the mental health as well. Uh, this, this, this is exactly what it is. When we um, define what is disability and disability and all its, its com uh, the concept of disability and when we understand about the social model of disability, uh, that the environment, um, the, uh, the, the way environment is set up, um, the barriers of it is rooted in attitudinal barriers or the way people perceive things. And we see that I'm going back to that point when we start thinking about architecture in a simplistic way. I mean, we can think about architecture in a, in a more um, flexible or adaptable way. Um, yeah, uh, my students, they deal with this, con this concept of flexibility, adaptability, and some predictability in, in terms of the design would, would emerge. But when you explore it further, when you, you, you test out through creating the design and getting feedback from the users, this is under the topic of research by design. This is something that I'm excited about because what we usually do is normally as architects or we when we train people to be architects is uh, we design by research. We get a case study interview and we just make our own conclusions. But it doesn't stop there. Then when we start designing something, just say we have a blind person to review what we design, we have to create it in a way that is very tactile and the sense of sound, touch and smell could be done so that they could give some feedback to what we've, we've done. Is This is not necessarily... Um, this is when all the disciplines merge, you know, architecture, UI, UX, the digital world, the logistical world, the physical world, they're all sort of connected, you know. And architecture should be explored in that way. Um, yeah, I, this is a niche area where we can explore about sensory sensorial experience, sensory design, multi-sensory, and so on, even beyond universal design, beyond the simplest, simple accessibility, safety, and 
usability ideas or universal design principles. So there is a, I'm talking, still talking about the second point. Yeah, the first point was training a blind person to be an architect. The second point is um, the whole research by design uh, approach to to taking in all the senses in our, um, to be part of looking into architecture or, or, or a, our theory in designing. This also borders on phenomenology. We discussed about that and um, some of those ideas. So picking up all these ideas from different, different disciplines and and perhaps this could be put down to paper and and um, we can go through the process of designing. Like I said earlier in the last podcast uh, on sensory design of the Universal Design Bus Stop, for example, that, that I'm involved with uh, to see if version number three could actually do that. The bus stop is something that there has its limitations because the other collaborators put the limitations on it. Obviously, some projects could, uh, we talk about the home, and that could be something we can start with or a public space, which is enclosed. But when we talk about external spaces um, with the noise and the less of a control issue, or maybe parks, maybe you can look at sensory garden that was one of the... Uh, topics that I know earlier. So at coming to the end of this discussion, and I think that um, uh, more of this research, not research, more of this uh, experimentation should be done with how to do research by design and coming up with expanding the principles of universal design, or maybe even creating a new set of principles referring to uh, universal design, but going into sensory design or multi-sensory design in a much more um, looking into the, the discipline of medicine and function, engineering and function and architecture and function. Because function, the word function itself, um, what I understand from theory of architecture is a different in the different disciplines. Um, so expanding on the definition of function in architecture is one way to go to um, to actually ex- to establish a theory to ex- actually um, have a grounded theory even uh, establish. So okay, I'll stop there, and I think there's enough discussion on this topic, and and I hope we can find more ideas and and discuss this topic further. Um, so I, I, I put the topic as um, to make the topic a crowd puller about can a blind person be an architect. But obviously, there is also a secondary agenda with this talk, with this discussion, and that is sensory design. So I'm going to put that in the topic as well, like an introduction, like the first 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 um, set of points to move forward on this topic. Thank you very much for listening and hope to you can come 
to the next topic on the podcast, Talk Architecture. Take care.